the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. I'm so sad. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> it, it took me a minute. It actually took me a minute to realise what just happened. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Off the ball daily. Now you're welcome along on this Monday evening. So suddenly from this vantage point, it all feels a little bit inevitable. Mannion, Cluxton, McCaffrey, the returning trio were very much to the fore yesterday. We'll have Colin Boyle and Darren O'Sullivan with us on analysis after eight o'clock. They are both in absolute agreement, by the way. Footballer of the year is David Clifford. Not even a topic for debate in their eyes. Meanwhile, the Republic of Ireland put a point on the board this evening at the World Cup. They drew with Nigeria. If only it was that straightforward, though. As ever, there's uh, an issue off the field bubbling away, intruding. This time, it involves Vera Pau and her captain, Katie McCabe. Gavin Cooney will be here in studio. Kathleen McNamee will stay up very late and join us from Brisbane. 53106 is the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy here in studio. Hello. Howdy, Joe. And Richie McCormack. Hello to you, Richie. Gentlemen, good evening. So uh, quite the weekend and uh, busy morning as well, which then had uh, an interesting third act after halves one and two. Katie McCabe versus uh, Vera Pau bubbled up. We'll come to that in a moment. Mm. But on uh, the dubs yesterday, I think we were both struck by Jack McCaffrey on the Sunday game yeah. last night in his own wonderful, inimitable way. Uh, honest and said, I knew we were going to win the All-Ireland. I knew it. And uh, the room kind of cheered. He said... Uh, I came back. I was worried, having been away, about new management. Had standards slipped? Was I coming back into a lesser culture? Mm. And within a week to 10 days, I saw that everything was just dandy and we were going to win the All-Ireland. I know what it takes to win All-Ireland. We were going to win one. <laughs> and what's more, wait and you see these kids, they're going to win a lot more. Yeah, the confidence of it. Like, and you can, you know the way McCaffrey is as well. Like, you know, he'll say what he means. Like, there was... It was kind of a scary prospect, I suppose, in one way, but it was, uh, it's great. Like, he gives, he, he might not give, like, always the most exciting interviews, but you feel like you're getting more out of what he's saying in terms of honesty than you almost are with any other GA player. And uh, I thought that was the highlight of, uh, of of the stuff from the hotel last night, I have to say. It was like, what I loved as well, it was like he refused to hold the microphone when he wasn't being asked the question. That microphone was down on the table. Yeah. <laughs> when Joanne came to him, he'll pick it up, he'll answer, no problem. But, uh, yeah, God, we I knew we were going to win the All Ireland. It's an easy thing to say on the night after the uh you know, you win the final, but at the same time, like I mean, I don't think everybody else in the country knew that Dublin were going to win the All Ireland. I do believe McCarthy though. You didn't see the video of him doing the rounds when McCarthy lift it the cup, did you? No. So he, he the dubs have gathered on, on the steps of the Hogan and for whatever reason, McCaffrey's just maybe five, six, seven metres away from them. Also in the Hogan, there seemed to be a section maybe where the subs bench had been that was just empty. Mm. And he was just in amongst five or six uh, rows of seats that were empty. And uh, he has kind of like his own, he jumps in the air and like his whole body does a kind of wriggle. It's like a fish out of water, just <laughs> wriggling away, just in sheer delight. It was like his own private moment Yeah, watching McCarthy lift the trophy. It was like a beautiful uh, thing. And... He also, um, I thought in that interview, kind of couched the return of the more senior players as a degree of showing how it's done. Almost like we're we're role modelling. This is how you do it. But trust me, those kids actually didn't need it. They're more dedicated than we ever were. Yeah, yeah. Taking on mentorships and so on and so forth. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. I w- look, we get into the football and we will with the lads, obviously. In terms of like the reaction to Dublin winning the All-Ireland, 
there's something like Jack McCaffrey's always been an incredibly popular player for a neutral who might not always like Dublin and I think him coming back is interesting I think Cluxton maybe in his heyday everybody always accepted his greatness but it's only then you go away for two years and you come back surprisingly as a 41 year old I think there's a lot more love for him out there now again you know I think Mannion's a popular player I think James McCarthy has reached that new level in terms of like nationwide popularity and then you see what he's done in his nine on Ireland. Michael Fitzsimons, definitely. People only started taking notice of him about three or four years ago, but it's gone up and up since. This is the most, seemingly the most well-received Dublin All-Ireland that I can remember. Uh, maybe since 2011, when they obviously broke the famine. And, you know, even watching it, like it was hard not to kind of get sort of GA emotional about the achievement yesterday, I think, in, in the aftermath, yeah. which I certainly wasn't doing in the midst of the six in a row when it was just pound and pound and pound and God will it ever end. Yeah. Um, you know, again, as a neutral watching on, but like yesterday there was more of a sense of these are great men and they've done an incredible thing and they've come back having, you know, yeah. been away for a couple of years. Interesting to kind of see what it does to the memory of this Dublin team, Richie, the scenes yesterday, because I agree with Mick. It was very well received. There was a real sense of emotion to the whole year and it really came out then after the win. I kind of yeah. think I'll, I'll remember those scenes um, more vividly in a decade when I think of this Dublin team than the vast, vast majority of their All-Ireland wins. And that would be kind of a good thing for this team. It was almost like a, they needed a lap break. of honour. Yeah, they needed they needed that couple of years where they didn't win one for the players that you mentioned there to gain those extra years just in, in terms of calendars, if nothing else. And then I guess along with that comes the appreciation of the players that they are and the servants that they've been to their jerseys and their counties and, and all that stuff. Um, I, they probably just did need that break. Because I remember it always stuck in my memory, like the time when Kilkenny were on the roll. I think it was when they won their fifth in a row. And I remember, like, I was producing in the box there. In the, yeah, I was, they were, they were, I was in the box on the Sunday. And you were, like, saying how routine it had all become in their celebrations. How they almost seemed to be shrugging off winning in All-Ireland. And that should never be the case. When you get to that point, it's it's probably a worry for any team. And there was an element of that when Dublin were on to five and six. That was like, yep, another one. Ticked another box. Great, let's move on. So they probably didn't need that break of a couple of years to bring everybody around to appreciating what they've done yesterday and also what they'd done up to that point before then. Yeah. I did enjoy, sorry, briefly that they, they talked about, like James McCarthy, uh, you know, set it off with the speech and then all the interviews afterwards talked about like the last couple of years, like as if they've been in the absolute doldrums and that everything <laughs> had gone wrong. They lost by like a miracle save of a 45 from, from Kevin McLaughlin and then they lost by a point to Kerry who went on to win the All-Ireland last year. You don't you know, know what it's been like. I don't know what it's been like. It's, <laughs> they've only won two Leinster titles at that time as well. It's been I a think fam- being relegated a mental impact. Being relegated had a big mental impact. I did impact think of that, yeah, yeah, you yeah, think so? It did. Yeah, no, totally, it did. It did. Like that that thing of, Jesus, if this is how easily it can slip within, not a year, like a few weeks, which is what, you know, a Division One campaign is. Mm. If you can let that slip within eight, nine weeks, then God knows what's possible if you let that slip even further. So I think that woke them up hugely. And they were able to bubble along under the surface a little bit this year and, and kind of repair and mend as things went along, fix what wasn't working under the without being under the glare of being a Division One side. So yeah, like those, those little things have, have, have clearly gotten in on them and, and in a way worked in their favour. Let's get stuck into the newsroom then. Colin Boyle, Darren O'Sullivan with us this hour. We'll have loads of analysis from the lads across the, from kind of half seven territory through until half eight. 
You're starting the news round, Rich, with the game this morning, which yep. uh, involves the game, and it was uh, <laughs> a, a reasonable performance, and then whatever's happening between Vera Powell and Katie McCabe. Yeah, the Republic of Ireland Women's World Cup journey has ended with an unseemly war of words involving the Vera, manager Vera Powell and captain Katie McCabe. Following today's scoreless draw with Nigeria, Powell revealed she ignored mid-game requests from McCabe to make substitutions. McCabe seemingly responded by tweeting a zipped mouth emoji shortly thereafter. Here's what Vera Powell had to say in the aftermath of the game following questions from the independent Dave Kelly. Why would we change? That, that's why I'm asking you the question. I don't yeah. know what the if Katie McCabe are. says that she wants to change, it doesn't mean she's not the coach. Yeah? Um, everybody was doing so well. So I said, what do you want, Katie, taking the best player off? No. <laughs> but that, um, a player is allowed to be emotional and players are allowed to, to say that. That's fine. But um, I... During the game, I do a step back and I analyze, and uh, we make changes the moment that it's uh, necessary. Uh, just here, and if Gavin. you want to know why we made the changes, yeah, I'm happy to explain that. Yeah, yeah, um, we have brought on um, Abby Larkin and Marissa Shiva. Marissa Shiva to have the power forward. Um, the legs of Heather were, yeah, the, at the end of the game were less, and we needed the, the pace over there. Um, that was, uh, I think, a brave decision because uh, she has only played a little spell, but she brought that into uh, the game and into the training sessions. We've worked with video with her on the role there um, so that she could play that role. And Abby Larkin, we played there because there were more and more spaces in between those lines with the knees then being able to switch play because we couldn't switch play anymore. So to have a pocket play in front with the knees then with a role to switch play so that we could pressure forward again because the pressure forward was starting to lack. Um, that's uh, a change uh, paid off because uh, immediately from that start she understood her role. We, we gave her that message. That is why to play there to constantly change the play um, and she did that. Uh, Vera Gavin Komsky from the Irish Times. Um, I think it, lead, it, it led to more pressure forward. Eh? I need to see it back, but it led in, immediately to more pressure forward, I think. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, just, to, just to confirm there, so your captain, Katie McCabe, asked you to make changes and you refused. Is that correct? Fair no, comment? No, no. <laughs> No, because a, a, a player doesn't ask and you refuse. A player can ask always, but as a coach, it's not a refusal. As a coach, you make decisions on what is necessary. A player can say everything to a coach, at least to me. So, like, if this was just in isolation, you'd say, Katie McCabe going over and saying, get fresh legs on and Vera Powell ignoring the player and saying, get mm. back on and do your thing. That's not really a big deal. That's the cut and thrust of football. I suppose this has taken on extra resonance for a few reasons. One, because Vera Powell talked about it at length in the press conference and then revealed in the press conference that Katie McCabe was talking about Sinead Farley. Yeah. And then subsequent to that, uh, Katie McCabe, who was interviewed by Tony O'Donoghue, and obviously that hadn't blown up yet. And Tony had even said to Katie McCabe, and wasn't it great Sinead Farley got 90 minutes? And Katie McCabe did what you do. And she said, yes, it was great. And she's such an elegant player on the ball and it's great for Sinead, you know. And then would have walked back into the dressing room, seen that Vera Powell had revealed that Katie McCabe had asked for Farley to be substituted. And then McCabe has tweeted just um, that emoji, that face emoji with the zipped mouth. So that, that elevates it. And then I suppose 
and it's a bit hard sometimes with the time difference, but certainly yesterday, the front pages of all the papers and the paper review were awash with kind of two main stories. One, that all the journalists out there through their reporting and they're talking to people on and off the record, they sense a massive cooling on the FAI's part towards Vera Pau for no obvious reason. And when you consider that negotiations did start pre-World Cup and have now stalled and now moved to cooling, that's a big sea change. It's not like the FAI said, well, we just don't negotiate pre-World Cup. They had started negotiations. So that, that cooling has really happened in the last two weeks. And then the other point the papers all made, they listed out Lily Ag, Lucy Quinn, Kira Carusa and Louise Quinn as, I suppose, the latest players refusing to say they would like Pau to stay on in various different ways. You know, Louise Quinn quipped, uh, I haven't even thought of having for lunch today. Mm. Most players in the main, he asked about Stephen Kenny, they say he should stay on. Tends to be the way or it's, it's pointedly not happening here. So in that context, what's happened today does take on an extra resonance. It's a, it's weird. I feel disconnected from this story. There's been a major sea change over in Australia. Yeah, I think there's going to be some books that are kind of centred around this World Cup and everything that's led up to it. I feel like not once have we been able to just sort of uh, talk about football and that be the main story with this team all the way going back to Scotland. It's kind of incredible. Mm. You know, it just seems like something always happens. Um, in this case, I can't believe... Like, you listen, we like, Richie, we... You know, when we here mm. later on, we kind of played an abridged version of that, <clears throat> and Richie actually played like the full thing there. And like as she's trying to explain her way, in no way is she calling out Katie McCabe. No, in no way is she doing anything to try and embarrass her or try and anything. She's asked about an incident in which she answers. And like I mean, if you're watching on TV, like George Hamilton kind of was like, "Oh, Katie McCabe's gone over." Oh well, it wasn't much of a conversation in the end because obviously Vera told her to. Get do lost, one, yeah. you know what I mean, which is totally a prerogative. But again, not a big incident, I would say. I don't understand why Katie McCabe is tweeting that. Now, she may not be happy that Pau revealed that she wanted Sinead Farrelly off. Okay, grand, but, you know, I just don't understand how you don't deal with these things in private. Like, literally doing the zip mouth is the opposite of that. You yeah. know, she is making this all public. I yeah. think it's unprofessional for the captain of the team to get involved in this kind of stuff. If there's stuff going on behind the scenes, if Vera's contract's not going to be renewed, then what? It's over now. You're coming home. There's a homecoming on Thursday. Everything will happen after that. You'll literally never be together as a group again. Mm. Why aggravate it? Why make this bigger than it needs to be? Yeah, we, we, I'm actually really disappointed in, in Katie McKay's behaviour there. Like, you know, and we don't know everything that's going on. So I say that with the proviso of saying that, sure. like, is that we don't know everything that's happening, but this is done now. So if Vera Pau is not going to stay on, then, you know, you just keep your counsel. The ironic thing is, I'd say Pau's stock amongst the Irish public generally has never been higher, you know, and yet it's unraveled to the extent that she was asked in the press conference, are you going to be at the homecoming? Yeah. She said she would be, but I mean, pretty shocked to be asked. I guess it's, yeah. it's so. I kind of I feel very disconnected. I, the, the sea change in the last three weeks is but what really has happened that the manager of the team wouldn't be at the homecoming that we've even got to know. that point. You know? know, like they didn't. They like Ireland didn't have a good World Cup. They got one point from three games and didn't get out of the group. Right, that's not a good World Cup. It's not an awful World Cup. No, it's fine. They lost by the odd goal to the to the hosts and one of the favourites for the tournament. Um, it was a group in which the Olympic champions were knocked out. Yeah. It was, they didn't do anything below expectations. They did it below hope, I would say, but not expectations. Yeah. So it's not as if everything has fallen apart. It's very hard to understand. It is. We have to pause for a moment. Richie's staying with us as the rest of the day's news. Mick is staying with us. More on the news round in just one moment. 
You're welcome back. Mick McCarthy here in studio. Richie is with us as well. This is the news round. So we um, talked a little bit of Ireland there, Rich. The other news from the group is that Nigeria do go through. So the last 16 yeah. is starting to take shape. It is, yeah. Uh, Nigeria's draw, enough to see them finish second in Group B. They will play the Group D winners in the last 16. That will likely be England. Australia went through as Group B victors. They beat Canada 4-0 this morning. Japan finished top of Group C with three wins from three. They hammered Spain also by four goals to nil this morning in Wellington. Their reward is a meeting with Norway in the same venue in the last 16. Spain finished as Group C runners-up. They'll play Switzerland in Auckland on Saturday. Zambia collected their first points and goals of the competition with a 3-1 win over Costa Rica we have Dublin I was about to call it a homecoming which isn't it's quite weird, right. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. They've kind of moved uh, a couple of postcodes or a postcode. Uh, but Smithfield, the venue for the Dublin celebration of their 31st All-Ireland football title this evening. They won their first Sam Maguire in three years with a two-point win over Kerry. Paul Mannion was named man of the match, but Michael Fitzsimons also won plaudits from many for his marking job and David Clifford. On this morning's OTB AM, Dublin manager Desi Farrell said Fitzsimons' job had been some time in the making. We could get a sense from, from Mick Fitz... Um maybe 10 days out that he was keen to take on that mammoth challenge uh, in Mark and David Clifford and uh, to, to mix eternal credit like the, the homework and the preparation and the, the in-depth analysis he done on, on all his opponents but uh, particularly for this one uh, it's something to behold and, and then with, there was a big emphasis on team defence that it, it wasn't just going to be mixed responsibility it was everyone's responsibility to to, to marshal a player like David and, and you know the problem with that is it can open up the floodgates elsewhere so we we had to be fairly strategic in how we manage that that you know was Mick Fitz plus one other uh, not two or three others and uh, leave other carry forwards uh, free and in space and it was just being as compact as we possibly could um, it, it worked very well in the first half for us uh, they, they had a period of dominance then in the second half where uh, we seem to be a little bit more open at the back but uh, I think we, we got on top of that again and uh, and kicked on from there Rich uh, huge win for Farrell personally he's taken a lot of criticism mm. the Gilroy factor Pat Gilroy's been talked about a lot the players coming back has been talked about a lot none of that happens without Desi Farrell saying so and having the humility to make it all happen and suddenly two All-Irelands in four years changes the perception of him quite dramatically yeah, hundred percent. It's kind of it, it's it's almost weird that we forget that the last one of the run was his, because um, it almost seems like such a uh, a thing that was there for the previous regime. And for him to win two and four now, for him to have a youth profile of the squad the way it is, and as you mentioned there with the older players saying that they want to help the younger ones along and they couldn't be more able to go on and win further All Irelands. Um, I think that likability factor about the Dublin win yesterday is going to be tested pretty quickly uh, in the next year or two because <laughs> there's every chance that, as you mentioned there, they can go on. <clears throat> like I mean, it always comes back to resources. Like it shouldn't be news that the most populous county and the one with the most uh, in deep, the deepest resources is winning all Ireland's. Uh, it's when they don't win all Ireland's that's when it should really be news. Um, but they've um, <laughs> they're certainly going to test that theory that this is a likable win. But they are going to see change. Like the, the goalkeeper issue isn't going to like Stephen Cluxon isn't going to be there forever. Uh, and I don't know. They clearly don't think that Evan Comerford is the man to stay there. So like there are major plugs that will need to be filled over the next year or two. But the sense that the well has gone dry um, isn't really there anymore, is it? Yeah, you hear mixed reports. You definitely have former Dublin players who know the scene promising you that there isn't 
much talent coming through the next generation. Yeah. But I find it hard to believe. It's just hard to know because this is a once like as you said, Evan Comfort's not the guy. I don't know if that's true. Stephen Cluxon is a once in a lifetime um yeah. goalkeeper and character and everything else. When will he retire it, now? Know, so twenty twenty eight. Well, I don't know. Like, he's yeah. fifty. Galvin was talking. Paul Galvin was talking about this on at the yeah. football pod show the other night, saying that he there's no reason that he wouldn't come back for another two well, years. He was you exceptional know? yesterday. Yeah, like see, he point about he still like he kicked two points yesterday. <laughs> like you know, it's like it's not as that they won by two points. Like, and Cluxton kicked two. Cluxton to kicks two. Mannion to kick five. McCaffrey to make the impression he made. Just yeah. those three back alone. That that's the thing about like you know how likable they'll be. You know, we still are talking about three guys with nine All Irelands. We're talking about another handful with eight. It's not as if they've just been this. It, it's been this conveyor belt. This is still this great Generation, group yeah. and so on. So um, yeah, it, it, the one thing just on on Desi though, uh, I wanted to mention like. The fact you talked about this in the pay per view yesterday, um, it, it came up, but the fact that like Desi Farrell under all the pressure in the world, and you know, almost a sense of like as Richie mentioned, his twenty twenty All Ireland was really Jim Gavin's. The way all the players talked about you know them being responsible for the stick that he's got over the last couple of years, and to have the balls to bring in Pat Gilroy, an All Ireland winning manager, to your backroom team, I think it's I think it says a huge amount about Desi. And the fact that he's in there for the go to Dublin football yeah. rather than for his own reputation. Absolutely. Rich Lee Carsley. Yeah, looks like he won't be Republic of Ireland manager anytime soon, even if the gig becomes available. It's been reported that he has agreed to remain as England under-21 manager for their next European Championship campaign. The former Ireland midfielder led England to Euro glory in Romania last month, their first such win at that level since 1984. And Carsley had been the favourite to succeed Stephen Kenny should the Ireland job become available in the near future. Now, Rich, the first of what? 80 consecutive nights where you're mentioning Andy Farrell squad news <laughs> it starts right now there's a match next weekend this, there's a match on this Saturday weekend, yeah. Saturday as in the next Saturday weekend night. coming yeah. Yeah. it's all very real now if it doesn't yeah, go Andy well Farrell we'll be like is it 07 already what's, what's happening what's going on <laughs> These are friendlies, Joe. Remember, we've decided that last week. True. The other ones and the, the rest of the year aren't. Uh, but Ireland, uh, Andy, Andy Farrell, pardon me, has a full squad from which to choose for their first World Cup warm-up game. Ireland welcome Italy to the Aviva on Saturday evening with the suspended Jonathan Sexton, the only confirmed absentee. The Azzurri started out on the road to France on Saturday with a 25-13 loss to Scotland at Murrayfield. Former Ireland out-half Ben Healy kicked four out of five in what was his first start for the Scots. Continuity is the word from Galway. Seems to be. Uh, Porrick Joyce and Henry Shefflin are to keep their jobs, it seems, as Galway senior managers. Joyce has completed the first of a new three-year term with the county's footballers, while Galway Bay FM also report that Shefflin will see his term extended beyond the initial three years that was due to conclude next year. It's pretty Rolls-Royce, isn't it? Porrick Joyce and Henry Shefflin. Is there any other county, <laughs> is there any other county that can be like, yeah, our managers are Porrick Joyce and Henry Shefflin? Did you see the Galway team yesterday? Yeah. Their suits were lovely. A lot of them have, have uh, are, are, you know, have... Um, the 25 years has come come and shown on their face. Poor Joyce, I think, looked as well as any of them, I have to say. Look very dapper indeed. Yeah. Uh, in front of 15 people in Crow Park, of course. But yeah. let's talk about that another night. Michael Dagnan was writing yesterday in the Mail on Sunday. He was definitely felt a bit flat about the whole occasion the previous week and maybe felt the Offaly team deserved a bit better. It's hard to argue. Yeah. Why it's not done at halftime as an obvious interim solution, I don't know. And then secondly... I think the feeling is now increasingly fair enough if the minor final has moved for good reason it's moved but Crow Park needs to be a bit alive a bit earlier in the day there needs to be something to get people in yeah. some kind of attraction some kind of curtain raiser 
which obviously would have been there traditionally before the uh, Jubilee team came out. Just it's um, it's a bit late getting started for such a big day. Absolutely, yeah. It's um, there's no real reason to be there before show in, like you know. Um, and it's such a pity yeah it just feels Dennis Walsh has a really good piece in the Irish Times that people can read about the changing nature of All-Ireland Days and how a lot of it's necessary but at the same time it just feels like the two days have been minimised in the mm. last couple of years right. and that is something that uh, you know I don't think we can get away from really I think that's that's just a fact unfortunately yeah uh, any key reasons it's been minimised I didn't see there's the piece millions of things really like the fact that there isn't the minor final the fact that uh, you know there's only a week build up to each game um, the fact that uh, you know teams aren't involved in much media beforehand and so on there's a, there's a good there's a myriad of reasons really yeah. and again like a lot of it is you know even the lack of pitch invasions for example you know things that are like ultimately good and the right thing to do have just changed the nature of it over what is ultimately a short period of time you know? yeah I guess um this, uh, everybody's commented on the Jubilee situation so I suspect they'll rectify it and try and I hope so, bring them back to life next year even when they were doing that in front of a full crowd it was done in such like I mean why not have this amazing video package mm. that shows what these guys did or whatever instead of just saying like the right corner forward on that team yeah. is it was always a bit underwhelming for what should be this cool cool thing and there's great footage now increasingly oh of course you know it's, oh, well, it's like, like these, yeah. teams, these are all late 90s teams like you know what I mean and yeah. that, that's you know, the, the, there's unending footage of those yeah um, and the, the fact that they're not even like that used to be a part of the the TV build up as well like well, they would be interested well, I think in Michael Dagnan was saying an awfully there was definite disappointment that the team weren't shown on the TV for whatever reason that's happened for a couple of years, though. This isn't necessarily new, and I don't think it was before the minor final even moved out, but the sense that the Jubilee team was part of the TV coverage I hasn't been I, the case. I think the TV audience quite like seeing it. Mm. I would have thought so. Yeah, you know, it's, I, it's, I, it was a popular thing. You know, when I was younger, it was a case of, oh, listen to my parents saying, oh, God, is that 25 years? <laughs> yeah. And now it's me, and I want to. Oh, God. And yeah. You do want to see it, and instead it's like, they, it's like they can't possibly break away from the, anal- the, the you know, hour-long analysis that they need beforehand, as opposed to just like lovely break and make an occasion of the day. Yes. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, which is what it should be more so. so. I'm not sure it should be halftime again. I just think that there should be occasion. people I didn't, sitting on their seats a little bit earlier. I didn't see earlier. the BBC coverage. I saw like Paul Meskell and Darrow Breen these guys there oh, they, yeah. they made a bit it. of an occasion of it was any good yeah I was watching it they had the regular studio panel they had Oshie McConville Mickey Hartz and uh, Michael Murphy in the studio and literally in front of the box because when the camera turned around you could see uh, Siobhan Mulcairn's presenting behind they had Meskel uh, Dara O'Brien um, Adrian Dunbar and Paddy Keelty and then David O'Doherty joined in at halftime as well yeah. like to be honest it was like this was being broadcast across the UK it wasn't just BBC NI mm. that were showing this so it was to, to put it across to a, a newbie audience was a fantastic thing to have names like that. It's just saying what a great occasion this is. Mm. The commentary ended up being a bit, you know, beginner's guide to Gaelic football. That's okay. And that's no, that, that's no fault of Thomas Niblocks and whatever. Like, that's just what they had to do on the day. Yeah. Um, but having that kind of star power just added a little bit of something different to, is, to the uh, occasion. Is Paul Meskell in beefed up gladiator shape yet? I know he's been hitting the gym no. hard. No, no. He, looks, he looks fairly fairly standard still. Like okay. better, better looking than any, than any of us could muster, obviously. Um, well, obviously but, the face yeah. is perfect. I was talking about the arms because yeah. he's been releasing videos of himself lifting weights to get ready for Gladiator 2. Yeah, no, he was he was he was wearing a kind of a, a hide all t shirt as far as I could see, so he wasn't putting the gun show on, on okay. like you wouldn't want to detract from what's going on out in the pitch, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Paul Meskel, here are my guns. Yeah. Um very quickly, and clock is against us, Arthur's giving me yeah. daggers through the glass there, but the no, ashes today. 
Yeah, and a fairy tale ending to the career of Stuart Broad uh, today. He took the final wicket of his career with the final wicket of the match in the fifth Ashes Test at the Oval. England bowled Australia out for 334 in their second innings, securing a 49-run win and levelling the series in the process. However, such is tradition that Australia have retained the Ashes. It's a moment, Joe, you'll be seeing on Sky Sports Cricket during rain delays for many's a year to come. It was a brilliant shot of Broad realising he got the wicket going to celebrate and the wide shot and just the whole oval. Everybody just standing up and in unison you know it was just and like all his kids and his wife and all were there his last ever ball his as a cricketer well. yeah. his dad who obviously played for England his last ball as a cricketer was a wicket to win a task, the, the final Ashes Test match you know so and his last ball as a, his last ball as a batsman was a six as well so he literally had <laughs> wow. as best a finish to a career not just a test career it was cool first it was genuinely cool as he can possibly have it was brilliant right we gotta go Arthur's just thrown a chair against <laughs> the glass between the studio and production box so we've got to move on Rift you- emerges between producer and presenter on the <laughs> yeah. Arthur's engaging. just about to tweet a zip, <laughs> the emojis a zip emoji <laughs> Richie thank you very much nice and loud Michael thank you Thanks.